Okay, I should be live now. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> um, just want to make sure you guys can hear me. If I could get a couple of, I got a little laptop here. I am uh, coming at you live uh, from the woods of Wisconsin, <laughs> the backwoods. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'll be doing a uh, talk here in uh, Minnesota. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, on Monday night, which is why I'm here. So, uh, okay, good. Let's see here. I'm Colorado. Saw a couple of messages there. Saw a booth and approached whoever was there trying to coax. One says, okay, good. Hello. Okay, good. Hello. Okay, people coming on here. So, can you guys hear me okay? Can you give me uh, somebody verify that sound is good and uh, and that I'm coming through? Good morning from Michigan. Hi from the UK. Hey from LA. Yep. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. All right. So uh, this is totally um, a little quiet for you. Okay. But turn up the volume. Sounds good. Sounds gobble gobble. All good. Okay. All right. So we're just going to assume the, the sound is fine. And I'll try not to shake the desk here as I'm as I'm talking to you. I've got this uh, uh, coming at me uh what's oh gonna have to just put my glasses on and off here iowa california netherlands oh my god i love the international <laughs> the international flavor of my channel um okay long island really good picture excellent okay good i was a little nervous about the bandwidth where i'm at out here and uh hey finland and um uh canada good um but anyway, if I'm coming through great and everything's fine with that, then that's good. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, start throwing out your questions um, because I will start answering them. I am, uh, yeah, I am, I am out here in, uh, in Wisconsin right now because I've traveled this weekend to come to back to Minnesota. <laughs> I'll be in Minneapolis at, at the uh, UCC church um, doing a uh, talk. Uh, on Monday night in a book signing and uh, this was very 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 uh, kindly arranged for me by a friend Penny and uh, and so I'm, I'm out here uh, partying hard and having fun out here and uh, that'll be Monday night at uh, I believe six o'clock is when the event is it's on uh, meetup and um, uh, with the uh, Minnesota uh, atheist or skeptics group and um, and I'll be uh, just doing a little talk on cults and Scientology and that sort of thing. So let's see here. Oh, Beth is in Wisconsin. Well, hello. All right. I'm referring to the laptop over here. Let me see if I can break this out. Uh, yeah, pop out my chat here. There we go. Now I should be able to see this a little bit better. Let's see if it... Yeah, there we go. Good. Sydney, Australia. My good. Yes. The cheese. I haven't had any Wisconsin cheese yet. I need to get hold of some of this uh, rumored amazing cheese that, that exists out here. Um, all right, London, UK, good. And I do not have anything scheduled for any book signings or talks in Los Angeles at this time. This is the only one I've got set up right now. Um, but I'd be happy to come out and do something like that if somebody wants to help me set it up. I don't have a publicist or an event planner or anything like that, so it's a little hard for me to, to do all the footwork necessary and keep my channel going to, um, to do book signings, to set that sort of thing up. I really wish I did have more time and, and ability to do that. 
And yes, a good question um, on whether the talk will be videoed. I did bring my video camera and I got a tripod and I'm hoping to um, be able to video. I'm going to try to video the talk and I will post that. If, it, if, if all is good, then I will post that this week so you guys can see what I had to say here uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, all right, let's see here. Uh, we have good cheese in the Netherlands too. Yes, that would be uh, very good. I'd be happy to do that. Um, okay, oh, I was wondering, okay, why the usual Q&A wasn't posted? Because I didn't have time. Uh, with the travel and with the other things I got, I, was, I had happening this week, I had a little window in order to do a regular Q&A episode, and then it, um, it did not. Oh, Empire of Aaron. Uh, thank you very much for your contribution there. That's that's your awesome. That's thanks for your support. Never <laughs> always always surprises me when that happens on on the live chat here. Um, anyway, yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I had a little tiny window uh, on Wednesday before I was traveling, and I didn't get it done. And I thought, okay, I'll do it live. Uh, I've done that before, and I'll give it a go again. So that's why we're doing it this way this week. All right. Um, good. Thank you for. For liking my book. Um, okay, good. Thank you very much for your support and your very nice statements, guys. These are really, really great. Um, okay, Trish Robinson asks, will you be talking about IRS revoking with Jeff Augustine soon? I guess you obviously you're talking about tax exemption for the Church of Scientology. I've actually done a podcast with Jeff that had pretty much the latest and greatest in it, um, I think about a month or two ago. Uh, on my channel. It's a sensibly speaking podcast. So if you haven't been looking at my podcasts, which some people don't, um, there is Scientology content on the sensibly speaking podcast and you can access that. And, uh, and I had a very uh, kind of an hour long talk with Jeff about that. So check that one out. Uh, yes. Okay, let's see here. Um, I'll just kind of go down the line here. Um, we, what are your thoughts on the LRH affirmations, asks Teresa Geralds. Uh, I think they are a brilliant uh, insight into L. Ron Hubbard's mind and gave us more of an insight than anything else did because Hubbard was a, as we know, L. Ron Hubbard was a pathological liar and he spun a lot of tall tales about his life and his life story, but those affirmations were never meant to be seen by anyone else but him. And I don't know how it was. He must have forgotten they were there or something when um, uh, when Jerry Armstrong got hold of them because he uh, said, yeah, Jerry, go ahead. Look at all my boxes of stuff. Go through all my personal things. I don't mind, you know. And so Jerry's like, what? And uh, and so we have these affirmations, which are uh, printed as in full as far as what we have of them uh, on Jerry Armstrong's website and also in the appendix to... Um, one of the appendices to my book. Uh, and those affirmations, if you have not read those, oh man, they give you an insight into Hubbard like you would not get anywhere else. Uh, and his mind was pretty, went to pretty interesting places, let's put it that way. It's not like we don't all have personal issues or we're all wonderful, you know, doves of innocence. Uh, I'm not making some, you know, point my finger at Hubbard and, and say that, you know, he was crazy and everybody else is sane, but he really had some pretty crazy ideas and very megalomaniacal, maniacal ideas 
um, about his own importance in the world and about his own abilities. And um, yeah, he was just kind of really full of himself. And those affirmations really show that. All right. Uh, oh, got another uh, got another uh, super chat contribution there. Thank you very much. Looks like from the UK. Thank you. Uh, okay, good. Um, da, 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 da. Let's see what else we got here for questions. Just kind of going through the comments here. Hey, Colorado Springs. Uh, okay. Uh, Robert Roberts asks, what exactly are the sorts of things OTAs say to themselves during their solo auditing sessions? Aaron Smith-Levin says they audit 20 minutes a session, a handful of sessions a day for years. Do they? Yes, they do. Um, solo auditing, uh, whether it's done at OT 1, 2, and 3, or on OT uh, 7 or 8, is all done quietly. If you were standing in a room with a solo auditor, you wouldn't hear a sound because it's all done telepathically. It's all done in their head. Okay, it's a very subjective process. And the person holds uh, the solo can, so he's got both cans in one hand, and he's got another hand free to write to keep notes of what's going on in the session. And there are different techniques or methods that are used on each of the solo levels, but they all are addressing body thetans. And if you don't know what body thetans are, I'm not going to get into all explaining all of that right now and here. Uh, definitely talked about that at length on this channel and other videos. But in the solo auditing sessions, they have different commands that they are giving themselves to uh, locate and I guess you could say exercise or uh, release or, you know, free the individual body thetans one at a time. And at OT8, I understand that the process is different because you're not addressing body thetans anymore. On OT8, which is done on the free winds on the ship, you would be um, looking for, recalling past times. Uh, now, I'm not 100% on this because I haven't actually seen it in writing. I've only seen this verbally talked about. Um, but it's something about finding past identities. Uh, that false identities and and uh, or verifying, finding and verifying whether past identities you have uh, run or addressed in past auditing sessions were actually you or were they inventions or other body thetans or somebody else's identity that you're confusing with who you actually are. So the idea is to eradicate all those false identities so that from your past um, so that you now know who you're not and you're then able to face the future with the certainty that you are you and you're not somebody else and your memories and and recalls and things that have happened to you in the, in the past are all 100% you so that's that's how I understand it basically okay let's see what we got here uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to contact Aaron. Uh, yeah, you just got to contact him through his channel, man. I don't know what to say on that. Um, you've mentioned, okay, here, Empire of Aaron actually asked a question here. You've mentioned Sea Org lectures. Are any publicly available? I'd love to get my hands on one. Also, good luck on your RPF book. Thank you very much, Empire of Aaron. Um, yes, some Sea Org lectures are publicly available if you dig. Um, WikiLeaks. Uh, various websites have, uh, I think, Scientilopedia, I think is how it's said. Uh, 
Okay. Alright, are we back on? It looks like we might be back on. Uh, if you guys can see or hear me, let me know. I turned off the Wi-Fi and connected it back to uh, my phone. Good, there we go. Okay, good. Still on the same one. Alright. <sighs> yes. Alright, so I think we're back on, guys. Good, thank you. Alright, so Empire of Aaron, so I was in the middle of answering your question. And um, I was talking about how you can, there are online resources to get the Sea Org lectures. Um, and you can get those uh, through scientelopedia.com or .org or something like that, or through WikiLeaks or through other caches of, um, of Scientology information on the web. And that's where I've downloaded the Welcome to the Sea Org lectures. And I've gotten a couple other, just a couple other Sea Org only lectures um, uh, at those sources. Okay, good. I'm uh, glad we're back online here, guys. Really apologize for that. I'm on my phone line now, so hopefully this will stay connected um, through the rest of this. And this is, I was only planning on doing about a half hour to 40 minute show on this one. So anyway, again, I really apologize for the the inconvenience on this this week. It's just I'm, I'm making it go right. <laughs> okay. So let's see, let's get some more questions answered instead of talking about bandwidth. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, okay, good. Da, 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 da. Looking for... Oh, okay, here. Fairy Tales asking me, what did you think of those hilarious Scientology songs like We Stand Tall when you were in? Okay, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, okay? Some of them were very inspirational to me when I first saw them as a Scientologist when I was in that headspace. And We Stand Tall was definitely one of those. We thought it was anthem-like uh, in Scientology. We really got behind that song. It was a very popular song in the world of Scientology. Um, I mean, I look back on it now and I go, oh my god, it's just a, a total corn fest. But at the time, it was, it was, it was inspiring. Um, there were other songs. There were about two or three albums of Hubbard-written songs, or at least what we were told were written by Hubbard uh, songs, or songs that were inspired by Hubbard's works. Like there was a, there was an album put out called Joy of Creating, uh, which had songs written by professional songwriters and artists, uh, but were all revolving around the theme of the joy of creating. And uh, and there were some you know there were some okay songs on there I guess as far as all that goes. Uh, we were really into it. Uh, I won't. I won't. I can't. I. I I'm kind of. You know. I uh, wish I. Wish I could say something different, but no. I. We really liked it, and. Um, but, but that video I posted this week, <clears throat> even when I was in, I would have hated that one. That those IAS songs and the IAS videos, I never liked those. Um, the thing about the other songs was they they weren't blatant money grabs. And the thing about this song that I posted this week and the video and the IAS videos that came later were they were just so blatantly after your money. I just would look at them and just go, God, these things are just awful. They were just so corny. Uh, and that was my honest response even when I was still in. So, uh, But those IAS things didn't come until the 2000s or whatever. Most of those other earlier albums were, were back in the 90s. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, thanks, Fairy Tale. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Okay, what are your thoughts on the ideal org that was opened last month by DM himself in Birmingham, UK? Asks Flint Reed. Um, well, pretty much I don't have any specific thoughts about Birmingham other than every other ideal org, which is um, the ones that have been opening lately have been, um, you know, same as every other one. They're, they're, it's a show, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the greatest show on earth. And, uh, and it's Miscavige uh, trying to show that Scientology is expanding through square footage when, in fact, nothing of the kind is, is what's happening. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm not super familiar with, with the UK or with Birmingham specifically. I wish I could say more spe something specific about that. Um, but, you know, the Ideal Org program is the same now as it has been from the very first video series that I made talking about why it exists, what it's doing, you know, what Miscavige is trying to accomplish with it. And it's really, it's just showmanship. It doesn't, it doesn't have any substance behind it at all. All right. Uh, good. Let's see here. Yeah, I definitely did enjoy that music video. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Um, Okay, where Aaron P. asks, where the heck is all the money in Scientology going? Well, actually, it's going into investments and uh, overseas bank accounts, and it's going to um, feed David Miscavige's ego, and it is going to legal and PIs, uh, private investigators, lawyers in the, in the various court cases they fight all around the world, and there are some real serious battles that Scientology is facing right now. I mean, they're, you know, getting banned in Russia. I mean, that is not a light matter, and it's not something we have, you know, daily updates on, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that Scientology is having to spend a lot of money on in order to keep themselves going. They just did this whole thing in Ireland. They, they're opening up, you know, Dublin as an ideal org. There's a lot of money going into that. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of... Uh, Finances are going into uh, the renovations of the Sea Org bases, uh, the the Scientology media productions. I mean, they've got their fingers in a lot of lot of pies all around the world. For a group their size, they're you know they they got a lot going on, and um, and Miscavige just keeps rolling it out. I'm told that his attitude about things is that things are great and fine and there's nothing wrong, uh, which is you know a little bit delusional, but that's Miscavige. So he's just keeping the, you know, keeping things going uh, worldwide and keeping himself in the lap of luxury. Uh, no doubt about that. All right. Um, does, does Scientology have tax exemption in the UK? No, I do not believe they do. Uh, they're not recognized. Uh, they're recognized as a religion in the UK, as I understand it, enough to be able to do wedding ceremonies. Um, but I don't think they have, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there, if you know differently, but from what I understand, they don't, they don't have tax exemption in the UK. Uh, Annie Detroit asks, LRH was a pathological liar, wasn't he? Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 ghost hunters. Yeah, kind of silly. Okay, there's the... Da, 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 da. Okay, let's see what else we got going on here. If you die, okay, as in as in my eighty-eight. If you die on a high OT level, do Scientologists believe they will come back and start their soul auditing from exactly the point they left off? Um, no, not exactly. Oh, thanks, Ron. Thanks for that. Um, 
the, if you are in the middle of an OT level as a Scientologist and you croak, right, you get hit by a car or whatever, um, you're going to have to, you know, go get a new body. This is the, according to Scientology dictates, this isn't what I believe actually happens, but according to Scientology, you would go get a new body. And as an OT, if you died in the middle of an OT level, that probably indicates a PTS condition or that something's out tech. You did something wrong or somebody did something wrong with your case and you're auditing. And so you got something to fix. So you're going to have to go get a new body, grow it uh, until you can at least be talking enough to, you know, say the words, I was a Scientologist. <laughs> Hopefully you will find yourself a Scientology family uh, to grow up in, because if you start spouting something like that to a Catholic family or a Muslim family, they're probably going to look at you a little funny. Um, and you would uh, get back into an org, right, and have to recall what happened to you. And this has happened. There are people who claim that, uh, coming into Scientology, who claim that they were OT in a past life, or they were on a level in a past life. And if they can say the right words in the right order to convince an OT who could look at their case uh, and look at their information that they did in fact, you know, do an OT level before and preferably even name who they were so they could go back and find the folders of the person that in their past identity, right? They would dig up those folders. They would verify that the person was indeed this, this OT who had died and they would then do whatever repair action on the person and then the person would be retrained on the solo auditing right so they could operate the meter and, and all that and then they would pick back up on the OT levels I never once saw that happen because uh, I never actually once even saw anybody get to the step where they found the PC folders uh, the files of their past identity I never, I never saw that. I saw a lot of people claim to be Scientologists in a past life, including myself when I was in. And I came up with a name of a past of my of who I was in my last lifetime. I think it was Robert Peterson or something. For those of you who are curious, and um, never found any evidence that that was actually true at all. And I now give that no credence whatsoever. I think I was off in a flight of Scientology fancy when I came up with all that. Uh, okay, but that was a good question. I like that question. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, there is uh, Ron. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Can't believe IRS okays this fraud. Neither can any of us. You know, you, this the Scientology really does show the some of the inefficiencies of bureaucracy uh, when it comes to government regulations. Um, okay, let's see what else we got here. Going back up the line, um, you got it. Are there? Oh, are there? Okay, Tristan Bar Avraham asks: Are there any recordings or films of the Apollo stars performing? Uh, there was an album of the Apollo Stars, which was vinyl. I don't think it ever made it to cassette or to... Maybe it made it to cassette. Certainly never made it to CD. Um, and I don't think that there are any videos uh, or films of them. I think I've seen some photos. 
and maybe a short little film, but not that I've, I mean, I'm sort of dimly recalling maybe seeing some dancers on the, on the deck of the Apollo, but um, not anything formal or professional put together other than the vinyl album. I think there were only like one or two of those put together. Uh, let's see here. You can have an email it to you and show others how it's useless for Scientology and addresses. Yeah, Flint, go ahead. Uh, Flint Reed is saying here, my flatmate has a huge list of Scientology internet addresses that you can have. I'll email it to you and I can put that out. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and do that and I'll post that up on my blog. Um, okay, Johnny V. Val or Johnny 5 Val asks, is Scientology mostly reading or are there many activities like starring, staring at someone or clay models? Scientology is both. There is a tremendous amount of literature in Scientology. Uh, there's like 20, 30 books. Actually, total, there's probably more, about 50 books. Um, there are over five, four, five thousand recorded lectures, thousands and thousands of pages of, of written issues, bulletins, policy letters, executive directives. Uh, you know, that lay out how the organization is supposed to run and the practice of Scientology as a, you know, religious philosophy. And, uh, and so it's not just reading, though. There's all that theory, and then there's a whole lot of uh, practical application of that theory, which is what the courses teach and what the auditing, the counseling, is all about how to do the counseling, what the counseling consists of, the various questions and commands that are given in the counseling. All that stuff is also covered in those materials. So it is an awful lot of study, um, but it is an also, also an awful lot of doing things. It's kind of, kind of both. Okay, let's see what else, what else do we got here coming on up the line. Um, okay, we got that there. Thank you, Ron. Um, Teresa Geralds asks, can the governors of Florida and California investigate Clearwater and L.A. police departments? Sure, they could, if they were motivated to. Uh, I don't think they're very motivated to. Uh, I don't know anything about the governors of California and Florida to say one thing, you know, whether they're uh, bought off by Scientology or not. I, you know, I, I, I doubt that. They probably just don't care. Uh, I mean, in the bigger scheme of things, the governors of the states have, have some bigger issues to deal with. Um, okay, let's see here. What's looking for questions? Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, okay, here's a good question. Uh, Elbuncio asks, do failing orgs believe that other all the other orgs are successful? Do they think they messed up? Yes, that's exactly what they think. Um, now, I think they are thinking this less and less as time goes on because of the internet and because of the exposure and because they see that the other orgs are not doing well from photos that are posted on the net and stories that are told. I think they're getting the idea that it's not just them. But when I was in, it was very much the case of, of isolated activities, right? The, the org in Minneapolis here thought that they were the only ones who were not taking off and it was on them it was their fault uh the staff members and the public were would, would blame themselves for that because of course l ron hubbard and l ron hubbard's technology and david miscavige are flawless and infallible 
So it couldn't be the program and it couldn't be the policies and it couldn't be the structure of the organization. It had to be them. They just weren't doing it right. And this was a very, very prevalent attitude in Scientology. And I believe only because Scientology is shrinking at the rate that it is, I believe people now are seeing more that that is not the case and that it's not just them. And they're not buying into that line as much as they used to. Um, but of course, you know, diehards and fanatics are diehards and fanatics, and they're going to, you know, stay in their cognitive dissonance bubbles uh, and keep blaming themselves when really it has nothing to do with their how good or bad they are. Uh, oh, thank you, Flint, uh, for a little support there. Really appreciate it. It's awesome. Uh, this is great. Getting, getting some nice support here for this uh, episode. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got here. Um, Pam Fuller says, you know what I like about you? I disagree with your not believing there is a God and other of your beliefs, but not your, you are not arrogant. You're tolerant of others' beliefs. I appreciate that. Thank you, Pam. I, I really am glad that I'm coming across that way uh, because I don't, you know, I don't have any uh, exclusive monopoly on truth. <laughs> You know, I am more than happy for somebody to show me some evidence or proof of God, and I will be more than happy to believe in God if I could see such a thing. Um, but I haven't, so I don't, and that's just me. But I'm very happy that you have that comfort and, and guidance in your life. Uh, all right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Johnny V. Val also asks, is word clearing just looking at misunderstood words in a dictionary? If so, why do they train someone just for that? Well, because uh, it's not word clearing is looking up words in a dictionary. It's clearing up the definitions of words. Now, I did a whole video on this on Study Tech, and I and I want you to watch that because it doesn't sound like you did. But um, there are nine methods of word clearing, uh, and you need to be trained to do them. It's not just open a dictionary and look up a word. There's way, the, the, the different methods of word clearing are put together in order to find, detect, locate the misunderstood word. There are 10 different ways a word can be misunderstood. And, you know, like not understanding the word at all is just one of those 10. Another way a word could be misunderstood would be uh, a homonymic definition. You think that T-H-E-I-R, there, means T-H-E-R-E, there. Right? And you have a misunderstood on that because somebody says there and you're hearing T-H-E-I-R when in fact they're saying T-H-E-R-E and so you don't understand what they're saying. That's another way a word could be misunderstood. Um, or you could have a, a missing definition where you understand three definitions of the word but the word has five definitions and you're missing one of those. And so the word is misunderstood because you don't have that one missing definition. Right? So, um, so the word clearing training is getting, tr when you're trained as a word clearer in Scientology, you're trained on all these methods of finding and detecting misunderstood words and clearing them up with someone. And, um, and, and the nine methods are, they get pretty, pretty involved. And I went over all of those in my um, video on study tech. So check that out. Uh, oh, thanks, Teresa. Thank you very much. Appreciate that support. You guys are just, you guys are just awesome. Um, that's that's really cool. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, 
What, Dana? Okay, hold on a second. Carol Rogers is asking first, how does Miscavige explain his asthma? There's no way he's breathing well. This asthmatic knows better. <laughs> yes, Carol. Um, you know, the cognitive dissonance and the, and the <clears throat> ignoring of symptoms and, um, you know, just the sort of denial, I guess you could say, that a person goes into when they have a chronic medical condition and believe that faith healing or Scientology or anything else cures it well, maybe it does for a little while, and then it comes back. That tends to be the cases from what I've read and seen. I can't say that's 100% of the time. If you have a psychosomatic illness and you overcome that through you know, mental processes or whatever, if it's mentally caused, you can cure it through mental processes. But if it's uh, an actual physical condition and it's not going to go away just because you are thinking good thoughts, then you're going to have to go into denial to you know, tell yourself that it's all handled or it's better or it's better than it used to be or something like that. I can't speak to Miscavige's asthma because I don't know uh, him well enough to know if that's still a, a problem for him. Um, but, I, but my general statement there, I think, stands on, on how that works. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, so Dania, Dania C. asks... What can you say on the flying ducks? Are they critics of the critics? Are they still believers of the Church of Scientology? There, what she's asking about there is a Facebook group called the Ministry of Flying Ducks, and that is a group I'm not part of anymore. And it is, um, there are some people who are ex-Scientologists there who get pretty critical of us critics of Scientology, and they assign false intentions and ideas to what I'm doing and other critics are doing. Um, you know, they say things like I'm only in it to make money and I'm lying about Scientology and I'm not, I don't really know what I'm talking about and stuff like that. And I pretty much just ignore them because that's not why I do what I do. And I'm not into fighting and I'm definitely not into creating conflict that doesn't need to be created. There's enough conflict in the world as it is already. So that's kind of my attitude about the whole thing. And, um, uh, they are, as far as I know, valid ex-Scientologists, but I believe that they are very easily manipulated by OSA, that is my opinion. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next question. Uh, and we are coming up on 36 minutes, by the way. So we're going to be just doing a couple more questions and I'm going to wrap up here. Um, Rhonda Allen asks, is there an individual within the IRS responsible for the decision to grant tax exemption in 1993? Yes, there is. That was the IRS commissioner. And um, he personally dealt with David Miscavige. I actually laid this all out in my book um, on how the IRS uh, granted tax exemption and how, the, how Scientology scammed the IRS in order to make that happen. Now, uh, I think his name was Fred Goldberg. He was the IRS commissioner at the time. Uh, and I don't think he was bought off. I think he was just under a lot of pressure. And uh, Scientology was uh, putting an intense amount of pressure that was perfectly legal for them to do I don't think they were blackmailing anybody in the IRS, but they were putting a lot of pressure on the IRS to get that tax exemption. <clears throat> and they pulled it off. Um, you know, I think a lot of uh, corporations, are, or not corporations, I think other uh, groups that, uh, that have had their tax exemption revoked simply don't have the resources to do what Scientology did or the will to do it. Um, but, you know, Scientology knew that it was going to be uh, dead in the water if they didn't get that tax exemption. So they they fought like wildebeests and they, they got it. 
Um, okay, let's see here. Just a couple more, and then we're going to have to go. Hey, Brighton, England. Um, okay, Jen Cove asks a good question. Does everyone that gets a KR, or a knowledge report, uh, get in trouble? Do they fact check? What happens to the person? Okay. <clears throat> There's a kind of a whole procedure to it, but no, they don't always get in trouble. Sometimes knowledge reports are totally ignored. Um, just because you get a report written on you doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get hauled into ethics. It depends on the content of the report. It depends on who wrote the report. Excuse me. And it depends on um, how much trouble you're getting into on a usual basis. If you're the kind of person who's a troublemaker and gets in lots of trouble, then the more KRs on you, the more, you know, attention you're going to get. But if you're generally an upstat, you know, a person who produces and is doing good things for Scientology and that sort of thing, then um, some KRs just get totally, you know, they get filed, but they don't really get much attention paid to it. Uh, when you get hauled into ethics by an ethics officer over a KR, that's when the fact-checking happens. That's when you have to convince this person who's now going to talk to you about this KR, is the data in the KR true or not? And you could, depending on the severity of the situation, you could bring evidence or you could bring information to uh, show that the information in the KR is not true or slanted or exaggerated or whatever. And the ethics officer would then act kind of as a judge and decide what to do with it. Because you can request that a knowledge report be withdrawn and, and taken away from your file. And, um, and that happens all the time. And, uh, and if you can show that the KR is not true, the ethics officer will take it away. So, um, so that's kind of how that, kind of how that works. All right, uh, let's see. All right, we'll do one more and then I'm gonna get going, guys. Um, oh, thank you, Rhonda. Um, thank you very much for that. That's, I appreciate that. Um, okay, one last question here. Fairy Tale asks, what was the earliest cognitive dissonance moment you had in Scientology that you can remember? Okay, this is a good question. Uh, it really made me think here for a second. Um, and I'll tell you, the earliest one was when I was about six or seven years old. Now, I wasn't a Scientologist yet. I was just a little kid. But my mother would do assists on me. She would do touch assists when I felt ill or sick. And she would tell me that I was supposed to feel better <laughs> as a result of these assists. And I never felt any better. You know, she would be touching me on the feet and on the toes and on the knees and, you know, back and forth, up up and down the body. Uh, and the idea is that by touching different parts of your body, um, you know, the person is getting you to communicate better with your body by feeling, you know, becoming aware of different parts of your body. That's the theory, right? And it's just, it's got as much validity as faith healing and, you know, laying on hands and this kind of nonsense. Um, so it didn't work. And yet, I was told it was supposed to work. And so I was kind of in a quandary. And I remember really clearly laying there going, well, sure, yeah, I feel better, I guess. <laughs> and sort of having to kind of create this feeling better. I mean, talk about what I denial that I was talking about earlier. That was probably one of the first times that happened to me. Um, and that was just when I was a little kid, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing about growing up in these, in these groups is you are just led to down a, a garden path of belief 
And as a child, you're very much under the authority of your parents. And when your parents are telling you things, uh, and this is how the world is, and this is how it's supposed to be, and I'm going to do this process on you, and you're supposed to feel better as a result of that. Well, you want to please your parents. You want to be a good kid. You don't want to be the bad kid. You don't want to be the kid that it didn't work on. You want to have something wrong with you. And so, you know, that was uh, that was an instance of that. All right. So um, I am going to now go away, guys, because... Uh, because <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've given myself this much time and, uh, and to answer questions, and I hope you guys um, enjoyed this. Um, let's see, I just, I'm so loath to leave when you guys have all these questions, but I really need to. Um, Ascari Navarro asks, Hey Chris, I have a question at one point. Where, when you were leaving the cult, did you sense that your family would excommunicate you if you leave? <laughs> um... No, not really. I was never really afraid of that. But I did do a video series with my mom where we talked about the entire experience of growing up in Scientology and the disconnection and how we avoided it. So check that series out. All right. I'm going to go now, guys. You're wonderful. Thank you very much for all your support. It is so appreciated. And uh, I'm going to do my best to record this talk on Monday and post it on Thursday. Uh, so I'll see you guys. Bye-bye.